Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Gathering and Using Member Feedback in Planned Governance. This podcast is extradited from a webinar presented live on March 27, 2019. In this podcast, we will hear from a panel discussion. We will first hear from Elizabeth Haskins, Consumer Member at Prime West Health, and Gwen Jackson, Member of the Advisory Council at First Choice VIP Care Plus. Later on, we will also hear from Matt Magnuson, the Director of Membership and Program Development at Prime West Health, as well as Sharmil Hill, the Executive Assistant for First Choice VIP Care Plus. These panelists will discuss strategies and challenges in successfully using and gathering member feedback and planned governance next section in which we're going to dig a little bit deeper into how your plans gather and use enrollee feedback in your plan operations and practices. Um, and this is the opportunity, um, wonderful opportunity, to bring Elizabeth and Gwen into the conversation. And as I promised, um, we'll start by hearing from them. So let's go to that. Um, we'll start with um, Elizabeth. Um, Elizabeth, would you be able to uh, take a few minutes to introduce yourself and talk about how and why you came to uh, join the stakeholder uh, group? Sure, my name is Elizabeth Haskins. I am from Alexandria, Minnesota. I'm in my 60s. I am on both Medicare and Medicaid through Prime West. And um, I, I was um, back in 2011 uh, morbidly obese and ended up having weight loss surgery uh, and have become an advocate for um, people who are looking for changing their life and their lifestyles. Um, I got involved with Prime West stakeholders meeting in 2017 to learn more about the behind the scenes and how um, my experience with obesity could be helped um, through finding out what is offered at Prime West and also in the medical community and give feedback to them, but also to the people in the support group that I facilitate. Um, I also believe very firmly that um, uh, people need to get involved with the programs that they are depending on to help them along in their journeys, and that's one reason why I got involved with the stakeholders meeting. That's great. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Um, I'm going to turn to you, Gwen, um, to talk about how you first came to um, be involved in uh, First Choice VIP Care Plus meetings, um, and a little bit, of course, about yourself. Okay. Um, my name is Gwen Jackson. I came into the business uh, working through long-term care, hospice, and assisted living facilities, and realized that I didn't really care for the, I guess, limitations on what these facilities could do for clients and decided I needed to work in something that gave me a little more flexibility, which was um, home health care. Um, I came to be introduced to VIP through clients who were already um, members, and they would tell me what was going on, so I researched it a little bit more, met some people here who worked for it, and they invited me to a meeting, and that is how I became involved. Um, 
as an administrator, my background was in social work and counseling and um, serving as an advisory committee um, member worked for me because I'd hear issues from our members, our clients, of some of the issues they had. And I found that VIP had this team rap-type service thing going, and I thought, oh, okay, this is pretty interesting. And that worked out for the mm-hmm. client, which was my primary concern. Um, I became aware of this, you know, due to the members and saying that this is who I'm under. That's how I really was introduced to it. First choice mm-hmm. VIP members, you know, were served through the clients that I ended up receiving. And I want to be a part of the advisory committee to offer feedback on how First Choice can continue to better serve their members. Um, quite ironically, I found that any suggestions made by members was genuinely something they looked at and incorporated. Um, so it worked out really well to me. So oh, I'm that's happy. great. Yeah, it did. So I'm, I'm an advocate for the member. Um, so it worked out well for me. So the member complaints was spearheaded us into VIP First Choice um, Select Health, rather. But it worked out fine for me. Great. Well, we'll hear more about the kinds of issues that you've engaged with um, when we get to some uh, some questions down the road. But I'm going to take a moment, first of all, thank you, Elizabeth and Gwen, but let me take a moment to go back to um, the plans and ask Tina and Matt um, about some of the ways that you gather feedback from the members of your advisory council. And give us a sense of the strategies that have maybe worked best for you. Let's start with you, Tina. Sure. Uh, Renee, we have about three main strategies that we use for gathering the feedback. Um, we make sure first that we make sure that we have topics on the agenda that the members said they wanted to talk about uh, during the discussion from the previous MAC meeting. Also on the agenda are topics the steering committee determined that they would like feedback on as well. And an example of that would be discussions around our retention strategies, um, member orientations for new members, which is something I think I can expand on later, was one of the results coming from that discussion. And another example would be how we could better engage our members in preventive health and, and healthy behaviors. Another strategy are our breakout discussions. Um, we decided to implement these 15-minute breakout discussions. Uh, I'm sorry, these 15-minute breakout discussions at each location after noticing that some participants were more engaged than others, and we really wanted to get people more involved and make sure that everyone had a chance to speak and, and share their opinion. Uh, so we have a plan representative at each site facility to, to facilitate the discussion, and uh, we all come back to together after 15 minutes to compile the results. And this has been very successful for us and a, a great strategy to gather feedback. And the third way is a survey. We ask the member to compute complete a survey at the end of each meeting. Uh, it has multiple purposes. We get a real-time evaluation of what they saw at the meeting, um, the material we presented, and how prepared they felt about being part of the discussion. And we get their opinion on whether they feel their feedback was valued and that they're really making a difference in the plan. And we ask them how the next meeting can be improved as well, including asking them for suggestions and feedback for topics at the next meeting. So those are the strategies we use to, to gather feedback uh, during the meeting. 
Great. Thank you. I, I'm going to turn to Matt and ask for, um, you know, what happens at Prime Health with the stakeholder meetings and how you gather feedback. Yeah, you know, similar to what Tina was just explaining, I think the important part is we had to really work to try and get feedback from, you know, the variety of members. You, we always had, you know, two or three members who are, you know, usually the, the more vocal ones at meetings. And so we really kind of over time uh, changed to kind of like an interactive uh, way of kind of gathering member feedback. And it really depended on the topic. You know, for, for example, if we were going to have our members help us review our website, um, what we would do is we would put together like a survey and have some questions related to that. You know, was it easy to find this page or what suggestions would you make so that we were really getting feedback from all of the members in the room. Um, we would do a similar thing if we were working on, you know, we wanted to have members look at provider directories and, and really try and use them, you know, find a provider in this county um, for this type of service and we'd create like a quiz basically and see if, you know, how, how easy it was to do that. Um, and that's, that's really been beneficial to us because it gets kind of everybody involved in the room um, and it really gives us kind of meaningful, usable feedback that we're able to implement real changes off of that kind of feedback. Um, and then again, you know, at, in, in every meeting that we have at, at during the agenda, there's always an, an open space for any of the participants of there to bring up topics they want to discuss and sometimes we can get through them at that meeting, sometimes they end up on the agendas for the next meeting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's great. I really appreciate how you both described, um, you know, how you've learned along the way, uh, how to get everyone involved, even kind of the more introverted members, and kind of built that into your infrastructure for meetings, but also leaving, you know, time for open-ended um, discussion or feedback. So that's terrific. Let me, speaking of feedback, and I'm going to stick with you, Matt. Um, what, how do you then take the uh, information, the feedback that you receive from your advisory body um, and make sure that it gets to the right people within the plan, and including especially senior leadership? So, Matt? Yeah, you know, first, um, our member stakeholders committee is an official subcommittee of our joint powers board. So all of the agenda and meeting minutes are presented back to our, our board at one of their regular board meetings. Um, so it's always an official part of that. And so a lot of ideas come out of that and board members will ask questions about what happened in the stakeholders meeting. Um, I, I talked earlier about having senior leadership just included as a part of the meeting. That's, that's been a really important thing for us because, um, you know, in a health plan, you have a variety of departments and a variety of people that um, have different concerns and getting them all in the same room with members um, and letting them hear directly from the consumers that we serve has been really beneficial to us to really make changes because it's not just coming from one area. It's not just customer service saying, hey, we need to look at this change. We'll have our medical director saying, you know, hey, when we were at the member stakeholder group last week, we had members talking about this, and that's an important thing to be bringing back up. Um, and then, you know, my role in all of that is that it's part of my responsibility to present any of the findings or changes that we need um, to make based on member feedback back to our, what's called our executive management team. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so multiple ways. Um, I'm going to actually bring Shamal into the conversation now and, and, and ask her to talk about um, how that feedback loop happens at First Choice VIP. Hi, everyone. Um, like Matt stated, we have a lot of leadership there. About 90 95% of our leadership are, is in, in attendance at these meetings. And they're actually engaged in discussion and conversations. They ask questions um, while they're, they're very involved in the 
conversation. And, and having leadership there confirms to our members that their feedback is valuable. And also having them there um, allows them to hear this information firsthand and receive this feedback firsthand. We also have the steering committee, like um, Tina mentioned earlier, that meets once per quarter. And during those meeting minutes, we also those um, meetings, we also discuss the topics that arose um, at our MAC meetings, and we also distribute our meeting minutes there as well. Um, so, with leadership being there and then having the follow-up steering committee meetings, it ensures that all of our leadership are um, receive this feedback. Mm -hmm. So that's great, Shamal. Thank you. It, you know, I heard a lot of echoes of what Matt talked about. Again, multiple levels, um, but the, the strongest um, message I heard from both of you is around like no substitute for having senior leadership hear feedback directly in kind of an unfiltered way. So um, thank you for that. Um, I'm just going to continue sort of the the you know, trajectory, if you will, of getting feedback. Um, and talk about you know how the um, the loop is completed, if you will. So um, maybe Shamal, I'll start with you. Can you talk about how um, First Choice VIP makes sure that the you know the member advisory council itself that they stay updated on what's going on with their feedback or their input and and what's been done if there if there's been something that's changed because of it. Sure. Well, at the beginning of each meeting, um, we discuss topics and follow-ups from our previous meeting. That is actually a standing item on our agenda each meeting. So during that time is where we discuss all of the feedback and the outcomes of our last meeting. Um, we've also implemented several projects based on the feedback that we received um, during our MAC meetings. And one of those projects is our Ask the Doctor card. I asked the doctor card was um, created to help our members engage in their care, and we realized that um, our members may be intimidated or unsure of questions to ask while they're with their doctors. So this post, um, this ask the doctor card was created. It's a post-sized card that um, helps our members ask questions and remind them of those questions when they're at their doctors. And what happened was this postcard was developed. Based on that feedback, we brought that at our next meeting back. We had a sample of that um, postcard. They were able to look at the card, touch the card, feel the card. And with that, they provided us additional feedback to so some changes they wanted to see or additional questions that they wanted to add to that card. So we took mm -hmm. that card back to leadership and, and, and implemented those channels, changes before the final product was created. So that showed them that their feedback was valuable and how we actually was able to use their feedback to create something that is used by all of our members um, in the plan. Mm -hmm. oh, that's a great example. I really appreciate that, um, especially because you really described an iterative process of going you know, back and forth, and so it was something that the members of the uh, council were engaged with over time. So thank you for that. That's helpful. Um, Matt, how about you? How, what's the, this you know, part of the feedback loop for how does this happen at um, Prime West? Yeah, I mean, it's very similar to the way it was just explained. You know, we make sure you keep your agendas and, and minutes organized so that all the topics that they brought up that they want to discuss or that we've discussed or changes have been made um, stay on those agenda items until they're completed and they can see the progress on that. 
um, you know, we, it's really about, you know, from our standpoint, it's really about building trust with our members. If they're going to provide this feedback to us, we wanted to show them, you know, that what, what we were doing with that feedback, how it was, how we were using it to make a difference. And, you know, the easiest example I have is, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, we did a website review and, and a lot of our members on the website were saying, you know, they couldn't find this button that, you know, for a provider search, it, it could, you know, why don't you just make it bigger? Um, so it stands out on the website and, you know, it was an easy change we were able to make right away be, between meetings and um, by the next meeting we were able to pull up and show them the change that they had recommended and, and what it looked like now and say, is this, you know, what you guys were talking about? And, um, you know, they were all able to confirm like, yeah, that's great. Now we get it. Now we know where that button is and how to use it. Um, you know, it's, it's that kind of constant back and forth that, that really makes these meetings work anyways. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a bit of a, a bit of the conversation we had um, in our last webinar about um, retention. So you know, and support for uh, members on an ongoing basis. And part of the support is about you know seeing results. Um, you know, if people feel like they're doing something that's worthwhile and they're seeing the change, it sounds like um, they're going to want to keep coming back. So uh, I appreciate hearing from both of you that idea of you know making sure people see the value of their of their contributions. Um, I want to turn back to um, Elizabeth and Gwen and bring you guys back into this conversation and ask you. We heard you know a couple of brief examples um, from uh, Shamal and from Matt about you know the process, um, and we, I was wondering if you could both talk about an issue that your advisory bodies discussed and kind of what, take us through what happened, how the topic came up, you know, what do you recommend and kind of, you know, where did it go from there, what was the outcome? So Elizabeth, can I start with you again? Sure can. Um, what, what happened with ours just recently was the change in the opioids um, issue and um, the initial letter that went out um, regarding the opioids coverage and um, information on, on the changes didn't actually clarify like what drugs were involved and um, it caused some confusion. So at the stakeholders meeting we discussed it and then so they went back in and the next letter that they sent out they were able to list our, our meds that were going to be affected by the changes that were taking place in the coverage for opioids. Uh, so it really uh -huh. helped out a lot, clarified a lot of things that were going on. Mm, that sounds great. It sounds like very direct impact um, that, you know, it hopefully engaged members more in um, understanding the, the coverage changes. So for thank sure. you. Thank you. Um, Gwen, can I turn to you? Is there an example that you wanted to share about um, an issue that the council took up and what happened with it? Yes, we are blessed to live in a state that has an array of weather issues. <laughs> a hurricane here where we're at in the Tri-County area, it might be freezing rain and black ice. Somewhere else is flooding. So our participants, our members, often have problems regardless of where they are. So that was brought up, and of course, because of such a diverse type of issue, they had um, they took it upon themselves, Mac did, to really do some research and find out whom they could contact, depending on what the issue was. And they came up with a booklet. I call it a booklet. They might call it a pamphlet, but 
it was a book that could be used to help people prepare for these issues that we encounter every year. It's not just sometimes, it's every year. So the um, feedback that they got, they coordinated everything and came up with an emergency preparedness kit. And what that kit does is it helps people to identify some things that you don't normally think about, like getting important papers or copies of important papers, putting them in a Ziploc bag so that you can have them with you if you have to leave, making sure you have certain medication, making sure you have certain clothing. It kind of organizes so it wouldn't have such a major impact when people are feeling frightened or not sure, even down to DME, making sure you have oxygen tanks to take with you and things of that nature. So I think that was one of the most valuable things that I've seen happen because this is something that everybody can get a copy of and everybody can use. Um, so that's uh-huh. one of the things that I saw that preparedness booklet that really pulled things together for all of our, um, just the citizens of the whole state. Anybody could use it, but especially those who are members of First Choice VIP. Right. Oh, that, I'm glad you um, you highlighted that because I think that it was a, a great you know aspect of the story is that it not only was helpful for the members, um, but but also for the larger community. Um, but it, that it was you know deeply informed by um, members, people who are older adults and living in this blessed. Uh, situation of of, uh, of South Carolina, as you described it, Gwen. So thank you. Um, I, I want to sort of ask the same question now of Matt and Tina, although they gave us some, you know, kind of brief examples earlier about, you know, helping us understand the process of, you know, getting feedback and, and sharing it back with the, um, with the members. I was hoping you might share a few more examples um, about, you know, topics that you found sort of most useful to bring to your advisory committee or that you found, you know, most useful to receive uh, feedback on uh, from your advisory bodies. Um, so, Matt, let's start with you this time. Okay. Um, yeah, I think, you know, I can start with a couple just, you know, benefit-related examples. Um, we, early on in our stakeholders process, we had some members uh, that had come into the stakeholder meeting and were explaining to us this process they were having when they were going to get eyeglasses and they would walk into the provider's office and and go to pick out a, a set of frames and providers would find out that they were on uh, Medicaid coverage and basically were pulling a box out from underneath the desk saying, you know, this box of frames, what you have to choose from, not all these ones on the wall. Uh. Um, and, you know, we, we, we were really struck by that and, and you know, we're, we're happy to get that feedback. And so what we did is we sent out a team of people to all of our providers to explain, you know, how they need to be handling benefits related to Medicaid and Medicare and that, you know, you, we don't want these sitting in boxes. These need to be displayed like any other set of frames out there. Um, you're not going to be limiting our members in that way. And, and to this day, I, you know, I've never heard that complaint come back up again. It made a change. And it was more than just one provider. It wasn't an isolated incident in our region. So it was, a, it was really good feedback that we were able to kind of get ahead of right away. Um, another, you know, just benefit-related thing that, you know, we just would, have, would never have really considered in the plan was um, there was a benefit for wheelchair cushions, and they were, you know, a new wheelchair cushion was covered, one wheelchair cushion a year is just kind of the way the standard benefit was set up. And we had several of our members in our stakeholders committee um, who had come in, and we were talking about, you know, what should we look at for benefit changes, and they had brought up this idea of wheelchair cushions, and, you know, it really didn't seem like a big deal, but what they were saying is that, 
If you're in a wheelchair, chances are you go through more than one wheelchair cushion a year. Anything can happen at any point. You can spill on it. It can become torn or whatever. And we had examples of, they were saying, members out there who, because their year wasn't up yet, they were using a towel or a pillow as a cushion. And really, a wheelchair cushion is a very inexpensive um, benefit to provide. And so we opened up that, that benefit to say you can, it's unlimited, the number of wheelchair cushions that a member could have in a year. Um, just because it's that important to make sure that they have those cushions if they need them. Um, so those are just kind of two examples kind of off the top of my head here that I can think of. Well, those are great, not only because they're, you know, they're both on benefit issues, but they're also, you know, in both of those cases, those were issues that you weren't bringing to uh, the stakeholder committee. They were bringing them to you. Um, so it just shows a little bit of like how, going back to your agenda uh, discussion earlier, how it's a combination of issues that you're bringing to them because you want their feedback on it, but also, you know, receiving uh, feedback. Um, so thank you. Um, let, let's turn to Tina and, um, and see, uh, hear a couple of examples perhaps from First Choice VIP um, about uh, kind of an impact of working with the committee. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, the first example is also benefit-related. Um, during the time of the year when the plan was considering additional benefits that we could offer our members, um, we asked our First Choice MAC members which benefits they would like to see added to the benefit package, and they offered several benefits, I mean, all the way up to aqua therapy. Um, but they, they felt that we should really consider uh, – you know, the vision benefit, and they ultimately decided to suggest that as the one benefit that they like to see added. And uh, as a result, uh, First Choice did add the vision benefit in 2017. Mm -hmm. So um, we were really thankful for their feedback for that. And another example is uh, when, the, when we're trying to figure out how to get members more involved with their care and their, their health care goals, um, so we took that also to the meeting, and we had a specific discussion about this, and um, we asked them if they could identify their care team or members of their care team, and some did, some didn't. Um, so they did suggest that we, or they came up with the idea that we create a large care plan type of refrigerator magnet. And this is a pocket magnet that members can stick on the front or in the side of their refrigerator, and it would contain their care plan. Uh, also, their care team contact information and any other important papers, and, and it's also an easy reach for them. And then when uh, someone from the care team would visit the member, they could provide updates and notes on the care plan and any other documents that they have. So um, this has been a, a great tool for the members as well as our care team. So we're particularly proud of this uh, joint project with the, with the MAC. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That was a nice sort of, you know, uh, contrast of um, uh, topics. So on the one hand, you know, a significant benefit. On the other hand, something that's very, very practical that also helps um, the members um, in concrete ways to engage with their care team. So um, I appreciate those two examples as well. Um, I, I'm going to go back uh, and actually ask you, Tina, to continue um, and uh, we've talked a lot about, you know, in your case, the MAC, um, the Member Advisory Council. Um, but are there other strategies that First Choice VIP uses to gather feedback from members about, again, policies, benefits, procedures, um, et cetera? Oh, sure. Um, we recently had some caregiver focus, focus groups, which was very helpful. 
Uh, we had them in two regions of the state, and we invited all the caregivers um, from our members and also from the community uh, that we were able to identify. And we had great sessions on, on caregiver support and what we as an organization could do more for that. Um, we really do hold caregivers in high regard. All of our population is older, so it was important for us to get those questions answered and address those issues. Um, another uh, strategy that we use is we also have started holding new member orientations, and we're getting a lot of feedback because we were kind of giving them a whole orientation on the benefits, the services, what the care team does, and they've given us some great feedback back on that. Um, and by the way, the idea to hold new member orientations came from our, our MAC meeting as part of our discussion. Oh. We held at a meeting about member retention strategies. Also, a couple of the members have done some member testimonial videos. Uh, this was their idea. They thought that if our new members could see someone that looks like them and, and was also on the plan as well, they, they could share some of their experiences that might help with our, our retention strategies. So, but those were uh, just some other examples where we're able to gather some feedback. Uh, also, we get feedback from our call center as well and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. collaboration meetings with the community and also our uh, case management staff. So we're, we're uh -huh. looking at all four corners of the world. <laughs> right, right. Well, I was really struck by the new member orientation example or or you know, a, a procedure that you use as, you know, you usually think of orientation as you are imparting information to um, uh, new members, but what you're saying is you're actually getting feedback in the other direction um, that helped to uh, inform what you're doing. So that was very interesting. Um, let's turn to you, Matt. Um, let's hear a little bit about the ways, aside from the stakeholder group, um, ways in which you uh, gather feedback from other members. You know, we're very similar to what was just stated, you know, really opened up to all those things. We use, like, the call center. Um, we use case managers. Um, we have regular public health human services meetings with our 12-county public health human service directors um, on a monthly basis and find out, you know, what's going on in their communities. They've been really helpful in, in that area um, to see what else we can do, you know, what we're where do members need help in, in one area or another? Um, I think that, you know, the big thing when you start to think about, um, you know, how to get feedback from in other ways is just any any chance that somebody has to interact with a member is a chance for that feedback to come to come in. You just kind of need to be open to all of those opportunities. You just never know which, which avenue is going to come through. Um, we've done things like focus groups. If we have a specific task or something we want to look at or get feedback from members outside of the stakeholder committee regular scheduled meeting, we'll, we'll hold a, a, you know, a, a member focus group and really get into looking at a topic and, and trying to get that feedback. So just kind of a variety of ways. You really just don't want to limit yourself to just just having the, the stakeholders group as the only way of doing it. That's terrific. It's a very good point. It's um, because not everybody uh, is interested or able to be, you know, in that sort of setting, um, contributing in that sort of setting. And so, you know, the fact that you take uh, uh, information, as Tina said, from the four corners um, and whenever you can encounter them, as Matt said, um, that sounds great. So. Um, 
we're just going to do one final question um, before we turn to questions from our audience. And I do see that questions are starting to uh, pop up. So uh, just to the participants, feel free while we're uh, finishing the last part of this conversation um, to you know, type in uh, questions in the question and answer box. So again, back to, back to Matt and Tina. Um, What's the one thing that you would say um, that you would, you know, that you've know that you know now about working with an advisory committee or using these other um, approaches as you just described that you would want other plans or consumer advisory bodies to know? Um, Matt, let's continue with you. Yeah, I think you know the one thing would be you know making sure that the it's it's an interactive experience for the members. You don't want the to be the plan just presenting all the information up in front. You want to make it interactive. You want to have it be a place where the members can be comfortable telling you the bad and the good that's going on out there. If they don't tell you about the bad things that are going on, you're never going to be able to fix them. Good, the bad, and the ugly, right? <laughs> okay, Tina. How about you? What would you want others to know that maybe you didn't know to begin with, and you've learned along the way? Um, sure. I mean, in addition to what Matt said, I, I think it's really important that we make members feel welcome by providing a really warm atmosphere. That maybe you know sound like that should be come naturally, but not always. And they're more likely to engage if they feel valued and and welcome in that space. And uh, encourage members when they share information, and always, always follow up with the status on any of the topics that was discussed. It, it will really lend credibility to your to your committee. Mm -hmm. I like the uh, comments about warm atmosphere. I, you know, I remember from our last webinar, somebody else had talked about it's actually fun, <laughs> and so if people want to come, um, and again, feeling as though they're making a difference. Um, and seeing that difference, I, I think I heard those reflected in, in what you both said. But I want to give the last uh, words during this conversation to uh, Elizabeth and to Gwen. Um, and you guys have been serving on your different advisory bodies for some time now. And what would you want other uh, plans or other um, committees to know, or even other uh, consumers that might be sitting on these committees? Let's start first with you, Gwen. Well, it's my belief that the the teams offer that continuity because everything is so transparent. When we have some of these meetings, you can see other, like the three places, you can see people in those other places. We're all on there together. And it really makes a difference because nothing is overlooked. Um, and the biggest emphasis I've seen, again, because of the way they do this team type of uh, case management, is that our members are wrapped into feeling as though they genuinely matter, that their their health or their well-being is the maximum concern. And it, mm -hmm. even though I know that there are teams that go and have more than one or two members, they don't know that because they put so much energy and then making sure that one participant feels like they are the only one they're concerned about at that moment. And huh. that has made a big difference. That's one of the reasons why I think um, VIP maintains or retains their member services because people are happy with them. They know that they mm -hmm. can call them at any time. Uh-huh. Right. So um, members in general, but then also, the as you mentioned uh, to start with, the continuity continuous um, feedback loop and the transparency that seems to 
um, stand out for you as part of the MAC. Um, so thank you. Um, Elizabeth, you get the actual final uh, word on um, what you'd want others to know. Well, I guess the biggest thing for me, and this is for anything in life, is if you're going to be a part of something or if you're, if you're going to be walking through to your own destiny, you need to take ownership of it. And it's really important if you're involved in say like Prime West or um, First Choice or whatever organization you're involved with, the only way to really have input and to take ownership is to participate. And participation is a key factor in any organization and it helps take ownership and helps form the company and the route that the company is gonna go. And mm -hmm. it's a benefit for everybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for that. Very, you know, wise words to end on. I really appreciate it. And thank you all, um, Tina and Shamal and Gwen and Matt and Elizabeth, all for the conversation. Um, really, I, I hope um, our participants drew a lot out of um, both the explicit advice you offered, um, but also the examples of impact. I think those you can learn a lot from. Um, so we're actually going to shift gears now. As I Thank you for listening. This podcast is presented by the Lewin Group and is supported through the Medicare and Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to helping beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes a full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated and coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations and care models. To learn more about the current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care.